Hello everyone, Josh Gilliland here with Jessica Meterson. We are the Legal Geeks and we have a special podcast for you with a guest. Today's, <laughs> today's guest is the author of the comic, also online, of the Boston Metaphysical Society, uh, Madeline Holly Rosing. And uh, Madeline, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Josh. How are you? Excellent. So for everyone out there, in addition to the legal shows that I go to, I've started going to comic conventions. <laughs> He's a true geek. I don't go dressed as Clarence Darrow or Abraham Lincoln <laughs> or anything like that, but uh, there's lots of cosplay, and uh, I met Madeline there, and we had a very lovely discussion about her very fun work and wanted to talk to her about it. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. So uh, we'll begin, and Jessica will uh, lead off the questions tonight. Thanks, Josh, and thanks, Madeline, so much for being here tonight. Um, so I have to say, I love the title, but can you explain to me what is BMS? I mean, the whole Boston Metaphysical Society. That's a great name, but how did you come up with that? What is that? Um, when I first developed the, the comic, um, it was it originally started as a TV pilot that I wrote when I was at UCLA. And as I was working in the period and the time, I really wanted to get a title that evoked the time period and also touched on many of the, the beliefs they had. They had many you know, supernatural metaphysical beliefs during the late 1800s. And it just seemed to, to work in and, and give a sense of time and place uh, without having to explain it. And um, that's how it started. Uh, I don't know, other than, should I give a, a brief um, little log line of what the BMS is about? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, for those of you who'd never heard of the comic before, it, does, it did start out as a webcomic. It has gone to print. It is about an ex-Pinkerton detective and his spirit photographer partner who battled supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. It's a six-issue miniseries. We currently have two chapters completed. The third chapter is being worked on right now, and we plan on going to a Kickstarter in September to finish off the last three issues in the series. Very cool. I love uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter obviously has done some, or people have been able to do amazing things through Kickstarter, so that should be very exciting. Yes, and a lot of work. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes it takes months of preparation, and <clears throat> I've probably been spending about a year on it, just building an audience, uh, so I could have a successful Kickstarter. Wow. I should, yeah, it takes that long. Yeah. <laughs> My brother's had similar adventures with his Kickstarter projects as he's getting ready to do his third. So uh, we look forward to helping you however we can when you get to that phase. Definitely. Thank you. So I, I have a, two questions. In the comic, the year is 1895. Is that a, a purposeful reference to the Sherlock Holmes year, or was that just coincidental? That's just coincidental. Uh, I wanted to pick a time period where you're right on the edge of change. Uh, you know, you're going into the next century, and part of the themes of the comic is dealing with 
technology and change, social, cultural, and how people always tend to freak out at the end of a century and the beginning of a new century. And so part of this is, is playing on their own fears as everyone, you know, is waiting like, oh, what's going to happen at the turn of the century? I mean, you saw what happened last time. It was like the whole world was supposed to explode. Uh, you know, every computer was supposed to stop working. Of course, you know, life continued as normal. Um, but people always have this sense of like almost impending doom that, you know, new centuries coming and so something bad is going to happen when, you know, you and I all realize it's just, you know, completely arbitrary, but it's fun to work that into a storyline. Very cool. I, I was also wondering if there was just some Grover Cleveland theme or, or if there was <laughs> being the good history geek and, and, and no, I mean, historically speaking, there were people who thought the beginning of the 20th century, everything would end as the 19th came to an end. So, I mean, like, yeah. It, it was there. That, this, yeah, so this, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you first. Oh, I mean, this just plays upon a, a lot of those those fears of what's happening and everything that's building and the appearance of the, the shifter and the new technology. Um, all kind of plays into that with the new century coming up. Which leads us to the topic of steampunk which I only found out about you know, this past year, year and a half, and, and developing a, an appreciation for it uh, and realizing it you know, did have some homages in Firefly with Simon's outfits. But could you, you know, educate us, you know, all, all the lawyers who spend all their time writing and not being geeks on what is steampunk? Um, I'm going to uh, paraphrase uh from the Airship Ambassador, which is a website, a steampunk website, because I think they, they describe it the most concisely that I, I've ever seen. And that this, it's essentially a, a fictional story set or evocative of the 19th century. Um, it's not necessarily in Victorian England, though it kind of gets its roots from there. But, because you'll see Japanese steampunk, you know, Western steampunk, everything in between Indian steampunk. Um, but it also includes real-world devices that are ahead of their time and, of course, imaginary ones. And it also deals with some of the uh, social and cultural norms of that period. Uh, as, you've, as you've seen, steampunk has uh, gone beyond just uh, a literary genre and is now in, you see it in fashion, in design elements. You you see it in furniture, in clothing, um, in art. And to me, it really is a great way to be individually creative because if, if you've met any of the makers, what, those are what they call themselves makers in steampunk world, those who create actual art or any of the leather goods you see, any of the handmade goggles or hats, those, oh, and ironwork, amazing ironwork, uh, and jewelry. Uh, they call themselves makers. Uh, hmm. Steampunk allows people to just be very individualistic. Uh, everything is hand-done, hand-created. Uh, depending on the maker, it 
it can be they could focus on say like a particular metal or particular jewel or a recycled material it has to do you know with it resonates with them personally on some level and you see that in their creativity and in their designs and also in you know when you read steampunk you you see it there you see what's important to the writer uh in particular for me i deal with social class quite a bit in pretty much everything i write in some respect and particularly when i'm writing steampunk uh I like to deal with the conflicts between the social classes and when they mix and when that happens and the good things that happen, the bad things that happens. And I also touch on race for the time period, but my main focus is, is class differentiation, which you probably noticed when you read the first two chapters of, of Boston Metaphysical. And um, nicely done. You, you get the, the gender discrimination and race. I mean, for those who aren't, familiar with U.S. history, I mean, 1893 had the most lynchings of African Americans in any year. And, you know, there was lots of racial tension uh, from that. So just very bad things happening. So, I mean, it was part of the era. Yeah. So, one, as you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Keep going, please. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, one of the uh, the main characters, in fact, he's he's part of the Boston Metaphysical Society, which, in layman's terms, as you could call Victorian Ghostbusters, hmm. um, is a gentleman by the name of Granville Woods. He actually existed uh, during the same time period of Bell, Edison, and Tesla, and Houdini, and in fact, they knew each other. Uh, a nice uh, real story in, in real happened in real life is uh, Thomas Edison um, had stolen some of Granville's patents. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, uh, Granville sued him for it and won, which was extraordinary for the time period, being that he was an African-American gentleman and, you know, beating a white man in court, you know, was just unheard of, but yet he did, which probably also tells us how egregious Edison was to begin with. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I discovered Granville in my research because I did not want um, a Lily White comic. Yeah. I wanted something that showed it was closer to the world as we know it. And I also enjoyed bringing him out of obscurity because no one knows him. Uh, he actually lived in Ohio. I, since I'm the writer, I could bring him to Boston, so I did. Hmm. Um, and he specialized in um, designing railroad, railroad switching. And that's where most of his patents were in, was in railroad <laughs> switching. Um, unfortunately, he died poor and in obscurity, but uh, I hope to bring him out of obscurity. So I think he's, I think he's worthy of a, a place in American history and, and uh, I hope to, to bring him out of the shadows. Jessica and I probably one of us will race to the legal research site and look up the case. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm intrigued by this case now. That sounds very cool. So you, you've given us an idea. It's like, because huh, I mean, Edison was like okay. hor horrible at stealing stuff. Yes. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He stole from everybody. Yeah, I mean, from he Earth to from everybody. From Earth to the Moon. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's all over now. 
Well, so getting back to your story, how did you come up with this idea for this story? I mean, is this something, were you a history major yourself? Is there, I mean, this is kind of a, you know, an interesting uh, uh, idea, I guess, to choose. Well, it, it was a combination of ideas. One, I've always been a huge Exiles fan. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. And so I thought to myself, well, there, there had to be an earlier version of Mulder and Scully which is why the, the tagline for BMS is before Boulder and Scully, there was Hunter and O'Sullivan. <laughs> and and uh, also while I was at UCLA Film School, I wrote a, a biopic called Stargazer, which was about a Scottish-American immigrant uh, woman by the name of Mina Fleming who arrived in this country penny, penniless, pregnant, and abandoned by her husband. She found work as a maid in the, uh, at the director of the Harvard Observatory. And while there, he discovered her knack for attention to detail. And eventually, he hired her. She discovered over 10,000 stars and developed a new stellar classification system. But during that whole process, I did a lot of research on Boston during that time period. So I just brought a a lot of that research into a new story. Oh. So that was that was all the background that came with it. And then I just I created you know new characters and dropped it into this world. Cool. That is neat. That is very neat. So now, not wanting to get into any spoilers, because I, I believe in, I like being surprised, but, you know, th th this is more a yes or no question. Uh, we've seen some metaphysical creatures, ghosts, and we have reference to the shifter. Uh, is there a difference between these entities? Yes, there are. There is. Okay, good. And, good. and, and, you, and you will see that. In fact, you've actually seen the shifter. You just don't know it yet. Ooh, <laughs> that's cool. And you're not like and the Lost Creators, right, where you talk about there's a reason for the Black Smoke Monster. <laughs> this isn't going to be a big disappointment in the end, is it? I'm a little cynical at the moment. <laughs> uh, um, no, no, because you'll see the shifter again at the end of Chapter 3, and then you'll be able to make the connection. Okay, very cool. You'll be able to make then if you if you read one through three again, because I know there's going to be a, you know a time space and everything, then you read it and you go like wait 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 oh and then you'll get it. Ooh, cool! Yeah, I went through it. I went went through the first two issues again today, so that was you know to jog my memory. But okay, that's cool. Will we learn a little more about Duncan? Uh, not in this series. Okay. Uh, Dun Duncan, um, I have other plans for, and in fact, I will probably do a novella based on him. Oh, pre or post death? Yeah. Don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't know yet because if you if you've read the first short story, The Devil Within, uh, Duncan is there. Okay. As a ghost. Wow. Um, he's he's there as a ghost. All of the, the, the short stories and the novellas that I've written as companion pieces to the comic 
are self-contained. So you can read them and enjoy them and not ever have read the webcomic. Um, but if you read them both, they enrich each other, but they don't give away any spoilers. Okay, it's nice. Yeah, because I, I, I saw, you know, the steampunk rat and yeah. want to check that out. It's like, okay, so a story about the father-in-law when he was young. Cool. I yes. Yeah, that's uh, um, about 15-year-old when Jonathan Weldsmore is 15. Um, the Secret is about when um, Samuel first met his wife, Elizabeth. And uh, The Devil Within is essentially about uh, Caitlin's father when she's just a little girl. It's about Andrew, the, uh, the gentleman who unfortunately dies by page three <laughs> in the comic. <laughs> It's neat to see these different directions for these characters. It's not, you know, it's not like Biggs in Star Wars who, you know, you know, gets or, or Porkins who gets taken out in a matter of minutes. It's there's actually a backstory, and that's neat. That's very creative. Well, let's get back to how you and Josh met in this uh, these comic uh, shows and I guess other geek shows. Do you go to a lot of those? Have you been to many? Um, I've been to quite a few. I'm relatively new to the circuit. I, I started hitting them pretty hard uh, last year, probably middle last year. I think the first major one I went to was Ape Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco, and uh, then Long Beach, and then I've been this year... I've probably been to, oh, God, I'd have to go count. I know in May I was at a, a con every weekend. Wow. Um, yeah, I was in San Jose twice, both for Big Wow, where I met Josh, which is which was great. That was that was a wonderful um, uh, con. And uh, then the following weekend I was at Clockwork Alchemy, which was a part of Fanime. And then I did a bunch of one-day events, and um, I think, well, for the rest of the year, I will be. I'm I'm going to the San Diego Comic Con primarily as what does I call it, civilian. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I will be vending at the Gaslight Gathering is having an evening steampunk event on Friday evening from six to ten, and and I'll be there for that. Um, but yeah, like the rest of the time, I'm just going to go and have fun and hang out with people. Uh, yeah. And then I'm in Boston. I'm in Boston. At the, I'm at the Boston Comic Con uh, first weekend in August. So I'm really looking forward to that. And wow. Yeah, September. Uh, nothing in September so far. That may change. But October is uh, Ape again. And then we got Kamikaze and oh, Long Beach. Long Beach. Um, I think I think that may be it for the year, but I'm not sure. Oh no, I think maybe SteamCon. I'm probably be at SteamCon as well. But yeah, I, I have to go look at this my calendar because I'm kind of a little overwhelmed. I was like, where am I going this weekend? Wow. Um, yeah. I've I've done the legal shows when I was at a you know, couple of different software companies, so I'm familiar with being on a circuit. Uh, do you do any panels at these? Um, I have uh, at some of the steampunk uh, conventions. I did a what I call Web Comics 101 at Gaslight Gathering in San Diego, 
in early May. And then at Clockwork Alchemy, I did um, uh, a marketing panel and uh, Web Comics 101 again, and then uh, a multiculturalism in steampunk panel. So. Does it make a big difference? I mean, is it necessary for these kind of comics and what you're working on to go to all these conventions? Do you really see, you know, I mean, is that where you get that, I guess, the, the interaction you need with fans and potential fans? It definitely helps. Yeah. I, do a lot of, I do a lot of social media, and that has been very beneficial as well. But a lot of people aren't on Facebook or Twitter, and people like to go to the shows and and I like to meet the people. And so it definitely gives the, the comic uh, a bump and a boost being there. And plus you learn a lot. I learn a lot from the other comic creators there. Uh, I make new friends. It, it's, you know, it's, it's part business, part fun. Yeah, I, I agree. And this year I went to Ape. My brother was uh, promoting the book that he and his fiance did. Sorry, I missed you there. And then I went to, to Big Wow. And part of what I'm trying to do is, for lack of a better term, research. With the, the lawyer shows that we have that focus on electronic discovery, all, all the work stuff that Jessica and I do, we go to those because we have to. People go to Comic-Con and you know Big Wow and Ape because they want to. I'm trying to figure out if there's some secret sauce that we could learn to make people want to go to the legal events that we have. Uh, how we oh, can we let them let let them uh, dress in cosplay. That'll do it. <laughs> that would be excellent. I would love to see all these lawyers dressed up. That would be hey. fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I was at WonderCon um, earlier this year, which is was also fabulous. Uh, and a very good friend of mine who's six foot five, he dresses as Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he comes over. I mean, we've known each other for years and years and years. So of course, he comes over and wants to say hi, and we get a hug. And, of course, my table is swarmed because everyone wants a picture with Gandalf. <laughs> and I, mean, I think people just, they have fun. And I, I think that's it. Everyone's just having fun. They're having a good time. They're talking to, you know, creators and celebrities they like. They're hanging out with their friends. Um, it just, it's a really nice, cons are just a really nice place to go. Yeah. You know, Jessica and I have brainstormed about going to one, and, well, we'd be better with a panel discussion because we're lawyers and we can talk and we know how to use PowerPoint. You know, the idea of having a booth, you know, perplexes me. I mean, I could... <laughs> I could give bow tie lessons, but I don't know if we want to actually be drafting wills and contracts for people at at that no. event. But there's a there, there's got to be something there that we could put together uh, for one of these. Well, I, I I can tell you there'd probably be a number of creators who and artists who'd be coming for legal advice. Yes, that would certainly be one area. Yeah, they, they definitely would be, be because everyone is always worried about. Um, you know, intellectual property and copyright mm -hmm. and um, who owns what. And I mean, it, and it's all really important. I mean, unfortunately, I, I do have an entertainment attorney and, you know, she's the one who helped me draft the contract that I have with Emily, my artist. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, I have, you know, 
I get the contracts done because it's just everyone knows where they're where they stand and then you can go have fun yeah exactly all right we have to be careful because like say we did that in California I'm licensed in California Jessica's not Absolutely and, not, yeah. and yeah. we don't don't want to have this weird thing of creating attorney-client relationships with everyone that we talk to so I'm like there's um, all kinds of issues but they expect to see us do something at one of these in a year, within a year or so because <laughs> it's a goal I would I would love to I still want to do a panel discussion on geek issues in the law but uh one you, you could probably do a panel um I, yeah I bet you could you just have to put together you know what you want to do what you want to say and most of these you have to most of the cons you have to submit an application and they have to approve it yeah well I did that for big wow and never heard back from them yeah and they're not terribly organized yeah it's, it happens with a lot of these you know just because they're either volunteers doing it or they're so inundated you know that yeah it's it's crazy you know you know it's like wow we got 500 emails today and you know another 400 in spam you know it's it's tough to figure out what's what so i i do my feelings aren't hurt but it's one of those it would be neat i mean the most you know if you look at our blog we've you know we have the top posts listed and number one is, you know, Han's legal justification for shooting Guido <laughs> first. I mean, like, Jessica mm -hmm. and I could do an hour on that. And so, <laughs> uh, no, I, I did see some of your, your tweets here on your site. <clears throat> My husband and I were, like, cracking up. I mean, I love the Star Trek red shirts and assumption of risk. That's just, <laughs> that's great. It's my mind is a scary place because you know I lie awake at night thinking about these things or watch a TV show and get ideas and then start making notes. Uh, there's I I watched a few on Netflix this weekend. I have some ideas for some future ones. <laughs> so stay tuned because I I pride myself on being creative. Um, frequently have to lie down after doing that, but I pride myself on it. So, out of all these cons, what one was your favorite? Uh, probably WonderCon. Uh, WonderCon down in Anaheim. And part of that is, is one, like, it was, it was extremely well run, extremely well organized. The fans were awesome. They had us, uh, I'm, I'm technically what you call sort of sort of kind of small press mm -hmm. so we were in a designated small press area so everyone who was looking for something that was not Marvel in DC knew where to come mm -hmm. they knew where to find us and you know everyone who was in that area um, also a big plus for me is I could drive to it every day and come home <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that would be when, what time of year is that one they just, uh, that was in March. That was in March, but it's new down in Anaheim because it used to be at the Moscone Center, uh, but now I think they're going to keep it down here. Yeah, I remember it. I remember seeing, you know, tickets for it at one of the comic book shops or at least, you know, promos for it. And then, but I, I couldn't remember the timing. So maybe. Oh, maybe they, were sold, they were sold out. Oh, good. <laughs> so. They were completely sold out. The 
the three-day tickets were completely sold out. Friday and Saturday was sold out. And I think people who couldn't get on on Friday and Saturday came on, had to come on Sunday. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I think they had 50 to 70,000 people there. Wow. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. Well, let me ask Madeline. I mean, Boston Metaphysical Society is great, and I actually just found it on Facebook, too. So we need to tell everyone if they are interested, they can look it up on Facebook and like it there. Um, but has it received any of the recognition it deserves so far? Um, amazingly enough, yeah, considering we are so new. Uh, with only 44 pages up. We were nominated for an Airship Award last year, which is through SeamCon. Okay. We were also, this year we were nominated, we didn't win, but I'm happy being nominated. Um, this year we were nominated for a, a Steampunk Chronicles Reader's Choice Award. Uh, we lost to Girl Genius, which is, well, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room, so I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> They've been around for many years, and and they're superb. They're just amazing. Uh, and then just recently, we received an honorable mention from the Geeky Awards. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, and then we will actually we're going to. I think it's going to be the award show is going to be streamed on August 18th, and so my husband and I are going to go and go have fun. And I have to go look for an outfit, which is like a major thing for me. So. Do you do steampunk for no, your outfits? Is that why? Well, I, I'm probably going to do what I would call steampunk light. <laughs> so as not to frighten anyone. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I just, I hate shopping personally. So for me to go shopping for clothes is just, is really hard. Uh. And I almost need like a stiff drink before I go do that. But <laughs> I try to do as much online as possible, but after a while, you actually have to go into the store and go. Yeah. I, I'm planning to go, too. I haven't ordered the tickets yet. I'm about to move and do a bunch of stuff, so I've, I've had a couple other things, but I'm planning to go down for August 18th, so. Oh, that's great. We should have fun. Definitely. Well, let's, I mean, we also have the honorable mention. That's and, right. And, oh, um, that's right. You do. Congratulations. Thank you. We, that was the first time we submitted anything. Mm -hmm. And we learned, because we submitted a podcast, and we looked at the others who submitted their entire podcast channel and thought, like, okay, next time we submit the whole channel and, and go from there. So that was, a, that was a learning experience. But it's very, very neat to have that because of the very talented people uh, who are in that category. Uh, so I've listened to a few of them and... There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Oh yeah, um, my the, the 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 people who were nominated. I mean, I was up against you know Jane Espenson's husbands. Wow. Like okay, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy. She did Buffy, yeah. You know, and Battlestar Galactica, and Once Upon a Time. And, yeah. Yeah. So not I'm, a Buffy you know, writer in my heart. Yeah. 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 I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's significant class to, to go up against. So uh, there's some very creative and wickedly talented folks out there. So what's next? Uh, I mean, you've talked about the calendar, and when can we expect uh, chapter three? Um, I'm waiting for pages from Emily. 
right. and uh, yeah, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting some more. Uh, we're about halfway through the art. Uh, it's written; she has it, so I'm kind of at her mercy at this point. And but you do have to understand, all of us have jobs. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, she does have a regular job, so she's squeezing this in with everything else she has to do. And yeah. she also does cons on weekends out on the East Coast. She's she's in New York. And so I know some weekends she'll, I mean, her May was like my May. She was having cons every weekend and uh, everything was just kind of coming in dribs and drabs. And um, I really hope to have it up by August at this point. Okay. Because it takes about three weeks to get it, three to four weeks to get it colored. And then another week to get it lettered, depending on Troy's schedule. Wow. So the letterer. Yeah. Right. It just it takes an enormous amount of time. A lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned Facebook already, um, and that's one way to get access to the uh, the comic. How else can people find out about BMS? Uh, they can go directly to the website, which is www. BostonMetaphysicalSociety.com, and I'm also on Twitter at M Holly Rosing. They can follow me there. Oh. Uh, I don't know when you guys are going to be posting this podcast, but over the next couple of days, I'm hoping to switch over to a new website. Oh. Uh, a fan, a fan of mine, who I will promote heavily when everything is all up. Uh, has put together the new website for me and because the one you see now is is well with my skill set and the money it's good as it's going to get <laughs> so I needed a, <laughs> I needed a real web guy so I found a real web guy and it's it's going to be on WordPress and it's going to clean and it'll just look so much better it's not so clunky as what you're seeing now what you see now is, is functional, um, but yes, I, I've had some uh, web geeks out there going like, I love the comic, but I hate your website. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But there's only so much you know, I can do about it. We but also use hopefully we That will be resolved hopefully this week. Good. Well, very cool. We also use WordPress, and I'm a big fan. So I totally look forward to seeing the new site, and we'll promote it as well. So, uh, hey, thank you. Appreciate that. Not a problem. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you saw that I um, I tweeted you guys. Yep. 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 <laughs> I'm a good tweeter. We, I'm a good tweeter. And we appreciate that. We retweet you and follow Friday you all the time. So it's uh, it's very very appreciated. So. Um, but yeah, we will totally support uh, the effort and uh, definitely, definitely help. So much appreciated. I believe in the cause. So my final question: Did any of the members of Beth, you know, being Bell, Edison, Tesla, and Houdini, have any attorneys when they formed their secret organization? <laughs> no, they did not. I'm afraid to say. <laughs> what what brought them together was the threat of the shifter, and no, they didn't. They didn't think about all the intellectual property issues that we're gonna. And you're absolutely right. Would actually become an issue, particularly with Edison hanging around, 
uh, with any gadgets they make. But uh, no, I'm, I'm afraid I didn't think of that. <laughs> this is why people have attorneys. This is our job. So this is one of those. Right. I mean, when I looked at, looked at that, I was like, whoa, whoa. I mean, the only safe one would be Houdini to hang out with, and that's saying a lot. But, uh, I mean, Belle seemed to be a really cool cat, good patriot, and very helpful, as, as evidenced in the Garfield assassination and in everything else that he did with his life to help people. Uh, but yeah. Edison, Edison and Tesla, that's like, ooh, that's scary. Hmm. So. Well, I, the Tesla, as we all know, was a genius and probably used both, probably used more of his brain than any of us could ever imagine. Um, but uh, I, I don't think, well, Edison stole from him. He didn't steal from Edison. No. And it would be interesting, I mean, if we had gone with Tesla's version of power at the turn of the century, because there was, there was a competition between the two. And yeah. the world went with Edison. And if we had gone with Tesla, it would have been a very different place. Yes. Sorry, Madeline. I'm like, that sounds like a topic for a whole other blog, maybe on a whole other <laughs> website. <laughs> That's a tease. That's a tease. It's a... All right. Well, and listen. I didn't even get to... Oh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you, Jessica, about your uh, uh, review of John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood. Oh, shoot. I, I, all right, really quickly, what do you think I of that? I've got to hear. I like John Carter. I don't, my film school friends just want to beat me every time I say that. But, uh, but yeah, it just kills me. You talk about the marketing. I yes. walked into the Burbank airport, and I saw John Carter, and we're like, why are they doing a movie about the Noah Wiley character from ER? <laughs> and then I went like, oh, that's John Carter. I'm actually an Edgar Rice Burroughs fan. So I knew what it was talking right. about, but I knew most of America hadn't, hadn't a clue. I know. And now, you know what? I forgot to put that in the post because that was one of the first bad marketing decisions when they decided to take off the of Mars part of the story. Um, so yeah. it's like, all right, if you don't know Edgar Rice Burroughs, which I mean, I do, but very few people, you know, under the age of 55 or so really know who that is. Yeah. You're just like, all right, there's some random dude and there's some big white furry thing. I know it is because I'd say the movie ended up being, I mean, the books are awesome and it's not the books, but, um, but it was good. And so it was so disappointing to see how it was so botched by Disney um and so and I yeah when you mentioned your film writing in UCLA and everything I had perked up at that because I love inside Hollywood stuff and this book is very inside Hollywood and very focused on social media so um the mm -hmm. uh the author is very focused on yeah the all the comments and Twitter and Facebook and all of that so it's certainly good education in that area too but uh, it is heartbreaking what they did to that movie as far as the marketing goes. We'll never get a sequel. No, never. Yeah, it, no. It, 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 and so, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it had more heart than Star Wars Episode One. Well, that's a low standard. It, 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 it yeah, had, that's setting the bar really low. Uh, it had heart. It, you know, it was, a, it was a good flick. It had heart. And it was a victim of horrible marketing. And that's just <sighs> heartbreaking. Yes. 
But, well, thank you so much, Madeline, for talking to us tonight. I have to say, I've not gotten that much into the steampunk, but it's an area I keep thinking I need to explore because it is really intriguing and interesting, and I love your comic. So I think this may be a good gateway drug, gateway comic for me. So good luck, well, and you do need you. to keep us posted. That. I will do that. And thank you so much for having me on. Anytime, and we will keep us posted on Kickstarter. We'll do what we can. That's so. right. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.